What's up guys, Rick here with your DFS preview for this week's American Express. And this is an incredibly unique event, multiple course rotation, the cut coming after three rounds. There's a lot to dissect. And of course, we've got another full field event as we make the trip from Hawaii to California for a couple of weeks here. So uh, before I jump into it, I do thank you for hitting the like button, making sure you're subscribed, commenting below with who you think is going to win the American Express. All that is very much appreciated on my side. And without further ado, let's jump into this week's American Express. Not one. Not two, but three different courses in play this week. So if you are new to golf, if you're new to this event, there's been a lot of change over the years and we don't see many other events like this. So a three course rotation, that means they are going to play PGA West. That's the stadium course, right? That's the host course. They're going to play the Nicholas tournament course and they're going to play La Quinta. Now last year, it was only a two-course rotation because it it was we were still in the shutdown. There weren't fans, and this is an event that has amateurs playing. So they scrapped the amateurs last year, and they only had two courses in the rotation. But we are back to all three for this week. Now, one of the biggest questions that I'm going to get is how how do these courses compare to one another? How do they compare? Which one's easier? Which one's harder? Well, I've already tweeted it out this morning. So if you go to my Twitter at Rick Run Good, make sure you're following me, all that good stuff. Uh, if you look at last year, the Nicholas course played about a shot under par and the PGA uh, West course, the stadium course, played about 1.2 shots under par. That ranked them 34th and 37th respectively out of 51 courses on tour last year, meaning they were easier than average. In this situation, 51st would have been the easiest course on the PGA Tour last year. That was actually a little bit more difficult than what we saw in 2020. 2020 was an absolute slugfest. So the stadium course uh, ranked 36th out of 41. The Nicholas course ranked 40th out of 41. And La Quinta ranked 41st out of 41. So all three of these courses were basically in the top five or six easiest courses on the PGA Tour. We'll see how it shakes out, obviously. There are things like uh, rain, which you're not going to see in the desert, but like, you know, what we saw in Hawaii where they've had a bunch of rain or lack of wind. It's, it's a lot of outside factors that often do lead to this really good, uh, these really good scoring conditions. And, you know, you might want to get ready for longer rounds. Now guys are going to be out there all at the same time because they're going to be spread out of out of three courses. But with amateurs in play, this could be a six, six and a half hour round. We're going to see similar things when we get to Pebble Beach in a couple of weeks. And the way that the rotation will go is over the first three days, you are going to play the stadium course once, you're going to play La Quinta once, and you're going to play the Nicholas course once. Then there will be a cut. So the cut will not come until 54 holes have been played and they, they will all then return to the stadium course for the final round. So two rounds at the stadium course if you play all four this week. In terms of strategy, getting three guaranteed rounds, it's pretty interesting, right? I like to try to take on more risks, more flyers, because if you take on someone who's really volatile in the $6,000 range or the low $7,000 range in a normal week, they miss the cut. You're missing out on two full rounds of fantasy points. It's an absolute disaster. At least this week, 
if you miss the cut, you're only missing out on one round's worth of potential fantasy points. So I like to take more risks in situations like this. And obviously the cut line it's, you know, we're going to see as, as the, as the scores shake out what the cut line ends up being, but it'll still be top 65 and ties. And then maybe more importantly, if you're into showdown, if you are into, you know, round by round matchups, you really have to pay attention this week because we might see on Thursday, one of these courses play easier than we would expect, or one of these courses to play harder than we would expect. And then we can kind of pivot in the moment. So it it really is something that Um, as much as I know a lot of people like to kind of set it and forget it on Thursday, there's a lot of edges to be had if you're willing to pay attention all week long, round by round, see how the scoring's rolling in and make your decisions in that way. Before we dive into the cheat sheet, I, I like to go to the power rankings first and I like to go to the weighted section and I like to look at the last 20, 40, 50, 100 rounds, whatever you want to look at because it really allows me to assess the field and how they're playing against one another and If you see here, and I've just got this field loaded in, I'm not looking at everybody on the PGA Tour, but it is obvious that John Rahm is the best player in the world. You know, 3.21 strokes gained, that's weighted, and then Patrick Cantlay at 2.28, and then a huge gap to Sung Im in third. And I think that's noteworthy. Rahm and Cantlay, I think most people realize they're the best players in this field. But they are, to me, by far the best players in this field. Russell Henley is fourth, Scotty Scheffler fifth, Taylor Gooch is sixth. We'll talk more about those guys. But those are the only five guys in this field who are averaging a stroke gained per round uh, weighted strokes gained, which is important over the last 50 rounds. So this allows me to just kind of get an idea of the types of golfers that are playing well compared to one another in a weighted format. And now we can jump into the cheat sheet like we would normally. Small little $10,000 range, only four golfers over $10,000. John Rahm, Patrick Cantlay, Scotty Scheffler, and Tony Finau. This is one of the rare times that I think I'm going to say you got to pay up for one of the top three guys, or at least that's what I'm going to do. You can do whatever you want, obviously. I think I'm going to pay up for some of the top three guys here. You know, we already talked about Rahm and Cantlay being by far the best players in this field. Rahm finished runner-up at the Tournament of Champions in an event that in most, you know, if you simulate that event a thousand times and he gets the 33 under, however often that he, like he wins that so frequently, but Cam Smith nips him there. And then Patrick Cantlay, the first time we saw him for months at the Tournament of Champions, finishes fourth. He's Right back at it. Both of these guys have had excellent history at uh, the American Express, including Patrick Cantlay trying to steal this from Siwoo Kim last year in the final round. He shot a 61, which was a course record. And that's what I like about Patrick Cantlay, the ability to get hot. It rounds out with Scotty Scheffler. I think we're going to have to do a little bit of a deep dive on Scotty Scheffler here because this is really feeling like we are on the verge of getting a Scheffler victory. And if it happens, it'll be... Uh, his first victory, the first victory of his career. And the reason that I say that we're trending in that direction is just look at the contention. You know, the, the runner-up finish at the Hero World Challenge, the uh, fourth-place finish at Mayakoba, the runner-up in Houston. So three of his last four starts are top fours. We showed him as one of the top five players in the field in weighted strokes gained, which means he's showing up in really good fields as well. And just look at the ball striking. Off the tee, he's one of the better players in this field. He's only lost strokes twice over his last oh I don't want to count them all up but dating back to the match play which was in March so we're coming up on 10 months he's lost strokes off the tee twice he's lost strokes tee to green three times in 
almost a year going back to Phoenix. That's coming up in a couple of weeks. So almost a year. So we're seeing a real improvement, a, a real consistency, a real upside to Scotty Scheffler's results. He finished third here two years ago. Now, the reason that I kind of like paying up for these three golfers and nothing against Tony Fee. Now I just like these other three guys more is I can take risks this week. As we mentioned, I can go down, I can get some cheaper guys. And at worst, I'm going to miss out on one round of fantasy scoring because it's a 54 hole cut. So I think not only those three kind of being the class of the field, and then also knowing that I get 54 guaranteed holes it's likely going to make me go stars and scrubs this week, especially with those top three names. The $9,000 range is fascinating. There are so many different angles that we can kind of take this 9K range from. It starts with, with Sung J.M. And, uh, and Taylor Gooch. Seamus Power is in here. Seamus Power is now more expensive than Corey Connors. We did it, fam. We did it. Seamus Power getting the respect that he deserves. Matthew Wolf is here. Abraham Answer, Will Zalatoris, and Russell Henley. There is just... An incredible amount of stuff going on here. So um, Sung J.M., of course, a very disappointing missed cut last week, but in his three trips to this event, top 12s in all of them. Are you willing to forgive and forget quickly on Sung J? If you are, you're probably going to be pretty leveraged on the field. We'll know that later in the week, and especially on the Wednesday live chat when we go through ownership. We'll know what the leverage is on Sung J.M., but I imagine with some of the other names here, uh, he might be lower owned. Taylor Gooch to me, very exciting. $9,700. If you guys remember, I did a video in the off season where I set my one and done lineup for the entire year. So it goes through uh, obviously all the best players that I think I'm going to have to use in one and done. It looks at good places to deploy them. And I deployed Gooch here. Last week I deployed Corey Connors, which it worked out fine. I think he finished T11, 180 something thousand dollars. Well, I had Taylor Gooch earmarked for this spot, and that was a couple of weeks ago. I'm still happy with this. Uh, I've said it a thousand times. Gooch was your fall MVP. He was. He had a bunch of top 20s. He won. He started off this year with a T15 and a T27 in the two events in Hawaii. Actually, his final round at Wailai wasn't all that good. He played much better in the first three rounds. I believe he was T12 going into the final rounds. And we're seeing him when he gets to... Uh, when he gets to the desert in California, when he gets to La Quinta, it's a fourth place finish, a 17th and a 21st in his last three years. We're seeing a real improvement, sustainable improvement from Taylor Gooch. He's $9,700. I love that, uh, but I believe he will be very popular. The more unknowns in this field are probably Matthew Wolf at 9,300 and Will Zalatoris at 91. Not unknowns because we don't know who they are, but it's been a while since we've seen them. And we saw the hesitancy that a lot of people used when not rostering Patrick Cantlay at the Tournament of Champions, for example, or wondering what John Rahm might do at the Tournament of Champions, not having played it competitively for a couple of months. Well, Matthew Wolf, uh, I'll tell you what, let's, let's find how good this stretch of golf has been for Matthew as he wrapped up uh, his fall on a couple, a pretty good heater here. Yeah. So here we go. Here was the four. He only played four times in the fall T 17 at Sanderson runner up at Shriners T five at Mayakoba T 11 in Houston, four top 17 finishes, two top fives. I've said this before and I still do worry. We're not seeing the driving 
gains that we first saw when Matthew Wolf came out on tour. However, we're seeing him improve the rest of his game and the math is adding up just fine anyway. So that is four, eight, 12, 16 rounds, 16 rounds in the fall. Let's go to the power rankings just for kicks. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, Rick, you're just cherry picking a stat to try to get Matthew Wolf to the top. Sure, you could say that, but let's put everybody on the same footing. 16 rounds, last 16 rounds, weighted strokes gained. Patrick Cantlay, believe it or not, number one, 3.37. That makes sense because he ran rough shot through the playoffs and then he had a good finish at the Tournament of Champions. John Rahm, number two. Okay, we've already determined those are by far the best two players in the field. Number three, Matthew Wolf. Yeah, he's been that good. Let's try 20 rounds. Does he stay there with 20 rounds? Probably not. No, he actually drops down to 11th. So if you're willing to buy the fall version of Matthew Wolf, it's very exciting stuff. Um, what I will also do is make a case for Will Zalatoris at 9,100. Again, another guy we just haven't seen all that much. And if we go back a little bit further, go 50 rounds, because uh, what we've seen from Will Zalatoris already to start kind of this, this version of, of, of Willie Z where, you know, he's got his torque guard and everything's all good. He's one of the best ball strikers on, on the tour. So last 50 rounds, weighted ball striking. That is weighted off the tee plus weighted approach. It's Rom, it's Cantlay, it's Henley, and it's Zalatoris. Okay, now the putter will be questionable at times. We've seen that. The short game will be questionable, but I'll describe it again. That ball striking ability is such a really good floor. It's it's hard to see, it's hard to imagine a guy like that going out and, you know, shooting a bunch over par and missing the cut. Like, I just don't think that's necessarily going to happen. So really, really intrigued at 9,300 with Matthew Wolf and 9,100 at Will Zalatoris. Concerns around Russell Henley. Shouldn't we have concerns around Russell Henley? You know, I got a lot of questions about, did Russell Henley cough it up? Did he choke away a five-shot lead with nine holes to go at the Sony Open? Well, maybe. Listen, when you go out in 29 and you have four really uh, great rounds like Russell Henley did, and you don't make any birdies on your back nine on Sunday, people are going to have things to say. Hideki kind of stole it from him. Uh, I don't think it takes away from the fact that Russell Henley played very, very well. Now, am I concerned about this week? For sure. Uh, I don't know what the emotional drainage is for basically being as close to victory as you can get, faltering, and then having to play in the following week. The last time we saw him, uh, I mean, he played, I mean, to his credit, I'll give him credit here. Remember, he was the 54-hole co-leader at the U.S. Open, and Sunday did not go well for him. He finished T19 the next week, and then his next start after that, he finished T11. So it didn't particularly linger if you're Russell Henley, but I will offer up one more um, non-narrative concern around Russell Henley, and it's his history here. Russell Henley, if you care about course history, has not been good at this event. And look at all the different names of this event. The Desert Classic, the Career Builder Challenge, the Humana Challenge. Now it's the, the, the American Express. He's played it six times. Uh, his best finish, T49, and he's missed the cut in his last four trips. That is concerning. The other concern is... And I could, I might want to look this up later. This might be the worst ball striking event for Russell Henley. 
I mean, he lost strokes off the tee in five of six. He's lost strokes on approach in four of six. That is so opposite of what we normally see. Maybe these courses don't set up well for him. Maybe he doesn't like the rotation. Maybe he doesn't like the amateurs. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's noise. Maybe it's anomalies. Maybe these are outliers, but six outliers that really don't fit. I mean, I don't, what can I do here? Can we do, like, what are his worst tee to green weeks ever? Now, this is going to be a bit skewed because... You're going to want to look for places that he missed the cut because that would only be two rounds. But yeah, I mean, I'm just, I don't know. It hasn't been a, a particularly great spot for Russell Henley. So I, I have to, I have to share some level of concern with that. The $8,000 range is here. And before I jump into this, I will note everything that you see here. This is my website. It's rickrungood.com. It's probably the largest golf database that's focused on fantasy and gambling, quite frankly. Um, I think you should sign up. I think you'll enjoy it. The $8,000 range to me is a significant drop-off from the rest of the field. Uh, even though I'm not as excited about Russell Henley at 9000 you could make a, a really good argument that he's in much better form now and we don't care about his course history. I think there's a significant drop-off to the $8,000 range. So the names that I want to pu pull out of here, uh, one, I think I have to stand just a bit for Ricky Fowler at 8500 Now, the last two years have been, on paper, fine finishes. 21st last year, 10th in 2020. That event in 2020 was basically the turning point. The turning point of when Ricky was going through swing changes. He was, I believe, your 36-hole leader in 2020 and just faltered over the weekend, was stuck in the mud, never, never really improved, and dropped to T10. And then that was his best finish for a very long time. Uh, the swing changes never really took. The results didn't really follow. He lost the putter for a bit. There were a lot of concerns. This would be, and I might have said this last year, this would be a pretty good spot for Ricky to try to get right. He's had a couple of weeks off here, but I, I don't think that he has played nearly as poorly as everyone wants to, wants to remember. Um, so let me pull this up for you. This is the power rankings. Last... 50 rounds of everybody in this field. This is, I've already showed you this earlier in the video. The 12th ranked player in this field is Ricky Fowler. Again, weighted strokes gained. That is taking into consideration the strength of field. It's taking the raw data. It's doing a fancy little calculation that took me two years to come up with. Ricky Fowler's number 12. To put that into perspective, he's just below Corey Connors and Abraham Answer. He is just above Tony Finau and Will Zalatoris. That is certainly much better than I think most people would want to give Fowler credit for. Remember, he was deep in contention at the CJ Cup in Las Vegas, the event that Rory McIlroy ends up winning, but he finishes T3 there. You know, the T11 at the Memorial, the T8 at the PGA Championship, these are helping his weighted numbers because of how, how strong those fields are. And I just think... He might not play well this week. I don't know, but I do believe he's being a hair undervalued here and overlooked. Alex Noren's next. He's 8,400. If you go back to those rankings, same thing. Last 50 rounds, weighted strokes gain. Noren is ninth. So he, he's been cashing in a couple of really good results. He hasn't won anything, but it's really hard to win on the PGA Tour. He's made two cuts here, 14th and two years ago, and 40th in uh, last year's edition of this event. 
The other name that I am, uh, <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe I'm going to say this, pretty excited about is Luke List. He's $8,000. And Luke List is a golfer, much like a handful of others, who really didn't want the fall to end. He was having himself a very strong fall portion of the schedule, which, look at this. Last two events, T10 at the RSM, T11 at the Houston Open. Had a T7 at the Zozo. So three of his last four events were basically top 10s. He had another top 20 at the Sanderson Farms. And he did it in what I would describe as very classic Luke List fashion, right? Ball strike the heck out of it and hang on tight with the putter and hope that it doesn't destroy you. He is well-documented, a absolutely horrific putter. I don't think anybody is going to argue on that point. Um, His history at the American Express T21 last year, he missed three cuts. He finished T6 in, in 2016. So it's Luke List. It's all over the place. I would never describe Luke List as a safe play that you want to plug into your lineup if you are needing guaranteed points. Luke List is a high upside, high reward, high risk type of golfer. And he should be treated as such. But at a flat $8,000 in a range that I think is... Uh, a significant drop-off and you are making a lot of assumptions about a lot of these golfers, um, I, I think he could do a lot worse. Before I move on, I've not prepared for this, but let me look at Carlos Ortiz really quickly because I remember being excited about him at Mayakoba. And I think I think he finished runner-up to Victor. And I want to see what he did before that. Yeah, so runner-up to Victor. We don't have the, the advanced metrics on it, but he gained 11 strokes on the field that week. That is by far his best finish in quite some time. He did it in, in, in his home country of Mexico. So you wonder if that was just a lot of motivation and being comfortable. He, he has... He doesn't have a lot of good finishes since his, since his win at the Houston Open. So, okay, I was hoping to see a bit more out of Carlos Ortiz there, uh, but I, I did not necessarily find it. The $7,000 range, and oh boy, what in the world are we going to do here? I do think um, a couple of Georgia Bulldogs are interesting, right? Chris Kirk, Brendan Todd, uh, every single Georgia Bulldog, all 10 of them made the cut last week, which is incredible. Chris Kirk has had a couple of top 25s here at this event. Brendan Todd, um, you know, when you when you get here and you try to make enough putts with a bunch of amateurs, it, like, there is something um, to be said about like letting amateurs putt on the same line as these guys. You know, if, if you give a really good putter the line, and the amateurs will almost certainly be outside of the pros in all situations. The really good putters just absolutely feast on that, right? And I, and I do wonder, we saw Adam Hadwin shoot a 59 here. You know, I, I don't know. I, I, do, I do think those guys are a little bit safer. I keep an eye on Ches Reavy. He's played well enough recently, and he's played well enough here. He withdrew last week, though. I don't know if I saw what the reason was, if it was just extra rest, if he was fighting an injury, I don't know. I don't know what it was, but the guy that probably has um, my most attention here in the $7,000 range is Adam Long. He won this event three years ago. He won it in 2019. He outdueled, wasn't it Phil Mickelson down the stretch and he won it at 500 to one, something like that. Well, he is a much better golfer now than he was when he actually won this event. You can see it in his running strokes gain metric. So he won this event basically here right? Where he had been uh, a losing player. And then he gets a big jump into this win category. And then he kind of reverts a little bit. He doesn't have a great year in 2019, but really at the end of 2019, he has been on this upward trajectory up into the right, baby. That's what you're looking for. This is running strokes gain total. So up into the right is a really good sign for Adam Long. And what we've seen from him recently is a lot of really good play. So he is, I don't know how to describe this. He is both consistent and volatile 
I, I, I don't, this is such a strange, I can't, I can't probably find another guy on the PGA Tour whose results look like Adam Long's do. So in the short term, last five events, four of them are top 25s. He missed the cut at the Sony Open by a shot. I'm, I don't usually kill guys for that. And he lost strokes putting and he's generally a very good putter. I imagine he bounces back from that pretty quickly. The four starts before that to end his fall were all top 25s. The further back you go, the more volatile he becomes. But on weeks that he plays well, he's pretty valuable. So this goes back to, this is an unbelievable run. This goes back to Phoenix. So we are almost a year, we're three weeks away from a year into this, where every single start for Adam Long has been a missed cut or a top 30. I'm not kidding. That That is outrageous. It's, I guess, a good thing because he's either going to miss the cut and you're not going to have to worry about it. This week you get 54 guaranteed holes, but when he plays well, he's on the first two pages or three pages of the leaderboard and he's played better and more consistent recently. This is a staggering set of results. I'm not sure there are many guys on the PGA Tour who could compete with this kind of boomer bust feast or famine. And it's not top tens, but top thirties for a guy like Adam Long. I mean, come on. So really interesting little nugget there. And he is um, $7,600. Obviously, I mentioned has won this event before playing much better now. So that's probably the guy that I would target there. The other one's Michael Thompson. Michael Thompson. So, uh, wow. Impressed. Keep the beard. Michael, great stuff. So if you go to the live leaderboard, this is a free tool that updates... um, Updates throughout the course of the week on my website on rickrungood.com. So it's got all the strokes game metrics. You can sort it by round. You can see fantasy scoring. You can see salaries. You can see all that stuff. Who led the field in strokes gained approach last week? Wasn't Hideki. Um, Wasn't Russell Henley. Henley was second. Lucas Glover was number one. Henley two. Michael Thompson, number three. Michael Thompson gaining six and a half strokes on approach last week. Awesome. Um, actually lost strokes off the tee. So he can probably improve there around the green. He was great putting. He was great finished in a tie for fifth, which is now starting to become a little bit of a trend, right? So fifth at the Sony 15th at Mayakoba finished fifth here last year, finished ninth, three years ago. This, this is, this could be building into something for Michael Thompson. $7,500 was a winner on tour. Was that last season? I think it was right. John Deere. No. 3M? 3M, I believe. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty bullish. Again, I think this is a pretty crappy range. I think there's not a lot of super awesome options to come out of the $7,000 range. Michael Thompson presents himself as one who is at least somewhat interesting by the advanced metrics and by what we've seen as of late. Lucas Glover, I mean, you can make the case for Lucas Glover as well. I mean, he was just, the, the, the case against Lucas Glover is just such a horrible putter, but I, I've got the t-shirts. They're on sale at um, rungoodstore.com, right? It says team no putt. That's me. So I, I, don't, I don't mind it as much. Probably the last guy out of the $7,000 range that I'm, that I'm pretty excited about is, is Taylor Moore. And I was actually really excited to talk about Moore last week. And I believe he was originally in the Sony field and at some point withdrew. I was, I, I was ready to go on Taylor Moore. He's $7,300 this week. Let me throw a couple of little nuggies at you here. So if we go back to the power rankings and I'm just going to raw data. So this is raw data of players in this field uh, last 100 rounds. No surprise, John Rahm is number one. Said it a million times. Taylor Moore is number two. Now, 
The huge caveat to that is that 84 of his 100 rounds have been on the Corn Ferry Tour, but I still have the strokes gain metrics for that. So when you talk about raw, this is is why weighted becomes more important, right? Because if we switch to weighted, Taylor Moore drops from number two to number... 7, 16, still pretty good. Still above Sheamus, uh, still above Kevin Shreelman, still above Lonto and Dylan Wu and Chris Kirk and HB3 and Matthew Wolf and Jason Day and all these other names. So we go to his golfer profile page and you'll see Taylor Moore uh, on the Corn Ferry was staggeringly good. He won down the stretch in July. He backed that up with a runner-up finish. He had a, a bunch of top 10s. Look, look at his strokes game metrics. Since... Uh, what would that have been? March, end of March. He's basically gaining five to 12 strokes on the field every single week, piling up top tens. Then he gets to the PGA tour, earns his card, obviously gets to the PGA tour, misses the cut at the Fortinet. I'm cool with that. First, kind of like first real event as a, as a PGA tour pro. A lot of those guys struggle. Since then, T-17 at Sanderson, T-24 at the Shriners, T-8 at the RSM Classic. He did miss the cut in Houston, but I'm seeing a good off-the-tee player. I'm seeing a guy who can get hot with the putter. He needs to keep his irons and wedges in check a little bit, but when he does miss greens, he can usually get up and down. The short game is fairly strong. I'm buying Taylor more here. Uh, I wanted to buy him last week. He didn't give me an opportunity. I'm buying here. He's only $7,300, and we're going to learn a lot about what he is, and I'm excited to learn. Oh, before I move on, the uh, Adam Svensson is $7,000. You know, had a top 10 last week. Adam Svensson, very well regarded in golf communities by caddies, by uh, teaching pros, by coaches. Very, very well regarded. We might see him take a pretty big leap this year. He's only played this event once, uh, finished 18th in 2019. So he'd be one more guy that I'd consider. The $6,000 range, fairly or very, what word was I trying to say there? Both. Ugly. Um, there's maybe a couple of guys that I find interesting. You know, Dylan Wu finished 20th last week, but he was, um, he sniffed, I believe, top five at some point. Uh, again, another one of these guys that out of Northwestern played a lot of big time golf in college, worked his way up from the Corn Ferry. I like Dylan Wu's game. And coming off the top 20, that's almost exciting enough when you look at the rest of the guys in this, in this spot. Would you go back to Grayson Sig? Probably. One of those Georgia Bulldogs who made the cut last week. Another one would be Hudson Swafford. You know, Hudson Swafford is such a seasoned vet who, th- like, this is his time of year, right? Had good history at Sony. He ended up making the cut last week, finished 48th. He's got some made cuts here in a row. He's won this event. He won it in 2017. He is just... He's savvy. He's like Keith Mitchell, right? He's going to have these pop weeks. Um, Hudson Swafford, 6,700, feels like a better buy than a lot of these other names that really, really don't move the needle for me. Is there anybody else I could even, I mean, Wesley Bryan, Wesley Bryan, he just doesn't have a lot of data, right? Wesley Bryan finished 27th last week. He, on average, gains 12 DraftKings points to the field, which is much higher than anybody else in this price range. But when he came back from that major medical and then he didn't play all that much, it's just like, you never know what you're going to get out of Wesley Bryan. Then he, then he hurt his wrist, I believe, and he had to get surgery on that. So we just don't have a lot of Wesley Bryan. I root for the guy. I think if I was sitting there with $6,600 left, he'd be the guy I'd want to spend it on, but I'm not sure I'm, he's, he's not my first man. He's not my second man. And he's not my third man in, um, but he's certainly viable for, for some, for, for some lineup constructions.
just for kicks before I do the custom model, I want to do a couple of things. I just got everybody loaded to here in the field in the Holy Grail, and I'm just sorting by history at the American Express. This is such a unique event with the three-course rotation. There are just some guys who hate this. There are some guys who hate playing with amateurs. There are some guys who aren't bothered by it. There are some guys that embrace it. And having to play a different course every day, it's, it's a unique beast. So I'm just sorting by strokes gain total here, and some of these guys have small samples, but your, your best players at the American Express, uh, dating back to 2009, Scotty Scheffler, number one, Adam Hadwin, number two, John Rahm, Patrick Cantlay, Andrew Landry round out the top five. Landry's won this event. He finished second. I'm trying to see if there's any other value. You know, Phil Mickelson's played 22 rounds. If you're a buyer on Phil, if you're kind of bullish on Phil, you probably have to be bullish this week. I'm not necessarily that bullish on Phil in general, so it's kind of hard for me to, uh, to get there. Andrew Putnam, 16 rounds. Okay, so Putnam's made four cuts in a row. Three of them are top 20s, basically. One was a T21. I'll give him that one. Svensson's here, Fowler, Gooch, Knox. What's Russell Knox done? Okay, five out of seven cuts. So you can click through these guys if you want. The other one thing I want to do, because it's really fun and quirky, is let's just look at the rotational courses so the courses where they play multiple or the events they play multiple courses so it's american express it's farmers and i believe um uh pebble beach is the other one so i don't i don't think i'm missing out on anything i'm sure someone will tell me if i am but let's just throw all those together so basically the course rotations rom number one jason day number two yeah he's buoyed by the pebble beach and the farmers yeah oh yeah Oh, yeah, because he's never even played this event, has he? No, he's never even... So this is all at those other courses. Wow, okay, so maybe we rule that one out. Finau's in here as well, and he's played the American Express well. Yeah, I mean, look at this. So if you go for these rotational courses, Finau's last four starts in rotational course events. Runner-up, fourth, sixth, 14th. It's pretty good. And 38th, if you want to throw in his last Pebble Beach appearance, that would be five ago. He's actually only missed the cut once in 13 starts so i don't know if that's a thing uh maybe it is maybe it's maybe it's not i think it's fun i think it's interesting um all right let's do a model so this is the custom model at rickrungood.com what in the world am i going to do here well because the data is wonky because there's only shot link on the stadium course and because they have to play multiple courses and there's a lot of other factors here i think we gotta stick to the basics so I think we really have to stick to the basics, right? It's it's hard to be like, oh, this is this is the the way to the path to success for this course. Well, they're going to play three different courses, and the course they're going to play the most are only going to play two out of four rounds on. So, whew, I think we really got to stick to the basics here. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say last 24, sure, why not? I'm going to go 50% on weighted strokes gain total. All it's saying is these are the best players. In the last 24 rounds, weighted by strength of field. Then what I might just do is I might just do 50 on DraftKings points gained. I mean, wouldn't that be the most basic model, but maybe it's the best model? Okay, I'll go for it. Let's see what the results are. I can always do this later, and uh, we can redo it later in the week. Sort by value, and oh, mama. Okay. Oh, boy. All right, so... Wow. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's really no surprises here. We've got all four guys over 10K in my top seven. 
Everybody else is $9,000 or more. So I go, it, mine goes Sungjae, Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm, Corey Connors, Patrick Cantlay, Abraham Answer, Tony Finau. That's the top seven. There's literally not a single surprise there. Next is Tringale, Cameron Tringale at eight, Alex Noren at nine. So those would kind of be your values per se because they're a little bit cheaper. They're still inside my top 10. They're in the eighty-four or the $8,000 range. Tringale, I might have to do a deep dive on him. Hank Lebiota's 11th, and he's really the next guy that's like a big value, 6,700. Unfortunately, he had that really bad stretch of golf, but um, yeah, this is not all that telling, to be quite frank, because this is just every of the best players in the field. Let me just try one thing real quick. Let's do... Oh, boy. Let's do... Let's take down DraftKings points gained and do... No, let's keep DraftKings points gained. Do 25 on birdie or better. Take down weighted strokes gain total to 25 and see what this gives us. It might be very, very similar. I'm still using... Yeah, it's 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 pretty darn similar. Okay, so that didn't help all that much. Hmm. Maybe we just play the best players. What a novel concept. Maybe I just play the best players. <laughs> see how that goes. Uh, okay, I think that'll do it for the American Express, the DFS preview. Tweet me, at Rick Run Good. Leave a comment below. Best of luck, and I'll talk to you guys soon.